Hi, everybody. It's Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. Hi, again, welcome to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today. Michelle is one of the most well-respected sales VPs in the business. She focuses on helping high-growth companies create sales cultures and can't do that without promoting from within. And she's shown a track record of success with that. I've shared the stage with her at, at tech events in Boston, and I've seen her in action on numerous occasions. I can't wait to get her insights and her perspectives today. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your role that you have. Yeah, sure. Currently, I'm a VP of sales at HubSpot, and I oversee the North America small business sales team. So we call on companies that have 25 or fewer employees, and I'll have about 120 reps on my team this year and a management team of you know just under 20. I'm curious. I, I doubt you know the exact number, but in your career, how many times have you promoted a rep into a management position? Oh gosh, I mean, it's got to be shy of fifty, you know, at this point, maybe a little bit less. But yeah, I mean, it's it's what I do: promote rep, reps to managers, managers to directors, and I get them all over the city of Boston and and the U.S. You and I have known each other for a few years, and I respect your game. I know you've been a phenomenal leader, and I love talking to leaders that have helped reps make that leap. And the whole goal of this podcast is to help yeah. reps and, and leaders and to some extent emerge on purpose. So thanks a lot for joining today. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. First, I'd like you to answer this question from your perspective, which is when you made that jump from rep to leader, can you recall like what the biggest challenge was that you faced personally when you did that? Yes. Well, the biggest challenge I faced was a, a woman named Luba. And she was like, she was my best pal. And we drove to work together every day. And, and then, you know, overnight, I became her boss. And I think, you know, I, I talked to a lot of reps who are interviewing to become a manager about how are they going to make that transition? Because when you go from peer to manager, it's a tricky thing to navigate, because you got to gain credibility, navigate the, the new territory of being their leader, you know, and getting that credibility from the team takes time and you just, you don't get that trust right off the bat. So I think that's one of the, the trickiest challenges to overcome when you first move it from, from rep to manager. You know, I had the same challenge when I had my first leadership role. I think two thirds of the people on my team were older than I was. And all of a sudden I'm the manager and putting myself and that team in that position, it, it was awkward. Let's face it. It was just awkward. Yeah. Any tips on how that first meeting sounds? All of a sudden now you're the leader. You get in front of them either as a team or in a one-on-one -on -one basis. Like, How do you frame that? Yeah. I mean, so I always recommend that the new manager sits down with everyone as individuals, right? And so first get all, that one-on-one -on -one time with each person on your team. Learn a little bit more about them. How can you help them? How can you be more effective? Then you can kind of gather that information and share that back with the team for that, for that first meeting. So you're not just coming in and saying, I'm the new sheriff in town. So I think that that, that piece helps. And then the other recommendation I have is make that first meeting about who do you all want to be as a team? 
how do you want to define who you are, how you're going to act together? What What is that like contract that you all want to commit to as a group of people who are going to do work together and making it kind of that a collaborative session as opposed to listen to me, I'm the new boss in town. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's a great suggestion. I think a common misconception for new leaders is they have to demonstrate their authority right off the bat. And having that collaboration as quick as you can is is huge. And love what you said about understand what what they have going on and how you can help them in the beginning. If you're just able to help them remove barriers, that's going to create some trust too. As as we've talked about before, you've promoted 50 plus in the leadership position. So you you obviously know how to make that leap and you've helped others do that. Uh, I know coaching is part of that leadership process. That's extremely important. And I know that's a hot button for you. If you're okay with it, I'd like to shift gears and go there and talk about what it means to be a coach. Yeah. I mean, so important. Coaching and managing, they're two completely different. They're they're two different functions, but at the same time, they overlap, right? So being a coach to me is that you are an active participant in the self-improvement, the professional development of somebody who's on your team, right? And so it's active. When you're managing, you're managing the business, you're managing the pipeline, you're managing the forecasting, you're managing personnel. When you're coaching, you're actually getting into the craft of their work, analyzing it, diagnosing, you know, what's working, what isn't working, and putting together an active coaching plan to help somebody improve. And in order to do that, you got to get that buy-in from, um, from the person that you're working with that enrollment, but it's an active role in someone's development. So the buy-in, they have to be an active participant in the coaching process as well, right? Can't be a one-way conversation. You got it. Okay. I like to say that the the management part is managing current state and the coaching part is helping them get to their ideal state. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of times we get stuck in the weeds looking at pipelines, trying to figure out whether deals are real or not. And that's by far not coaching, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Like, let's say you get your leadership position, you're, you're now in that role. How would you recommend that you structure that coaching relationship with your people? This is kind of going back to some of those first meetings. But uh, one of the things I recommend for new managers is first um, getting to know their people better and sending a survey out to each individual. You know, how do you like to communicate? How do you like to receive feedback? What motivates you? What inspires you? What are you working towards? Like when you have, you know, that information, it helps you be a more effective coach rather than just hopping in and assuming you know, how someone is going to tick. So I think starting there and getting to know your people better really helps. And then rolling up your sleeves and asking, you know, are you comfortable with me kind of giving you some of this feedback so that I can help get you better to help get you to these goals? And when you get that buying and enrollment, you say, you know, you diagnose some aspect of their game. It could be how to have more effective discovery questions. It could be how can you negotiate more effectively? It could be how can you show value for your product and how it helps kind of address their pain. And so you want to diagnose what part of the process could be improved and then put together an active plan to carry that out to, to work on that development. Okay. Do you find that the, the coaching conversations can happen in a team environment or do you typically like to do them in a one-on-one setting? They can be at a group environment. In my view, a manager should be doing coaching in every one-on-one with their reps, but we do group sessions as well. Uh, We might do it on, you know, how to bring more value to a demo, or we might all listen to a call together and say, you know, what could we have done? Where could we have gone? 
where would you go next on this? So I think one to many and one on one are both effective. They just need to be used for the in the right way. I'm curious if you would advise doing this or not doing this. So a lot of times as leaders, we have to talk about forecasts and we have to look at pipelines. And that becomes a a management exercise because we want to forecast the business the correct way. And a lot of times inside those conversations, you might see a coaching moment, but it's hard to transition from that forecasting process to a coaching moment. Any thoughts on whether or not you think you should do it at at that point in time? Do you table it, do it another time? Like, Give us some tips on, on how to transition from one type of conversation to another. I never want to dictate someone's coaching or management style, right? So I don't think that there's just one answer there. But I think the reality is, it is through the deal forecasting, deal management that you that is when you get those insights into what that play call should be, you know, what to do next here? Did they have firm next steps or not? Do they have the right decision makers at the table? And so ideally you, you just, you either table it, but you write down the notes and say, we want, let's get back to this deal. Let's talk about this in our next one-on-one and get what you need out of the forecasting call, unless you have the space to do both in that one-on-one, but you have to designate that time for coaching specifically and and make sure you're not, you know, back and forth in in the same meeting. Those do you questions are, those are the management questions, right? And if you're going to transition to the how-to questions, you could go down a rat hole which isn't necessarily a rabble because it's that's where the coaching magic happens. But I think you're right. I think you have to compartmentalize those so that you can get to the truth more too, because the do you questions may not get you to the truth until you start asking the how-to questions, right? And that's probably the coaching portion of it. 100%. Let's say you're doing a one-on-one and you're setting the agenda for that call. Any tips on how you position to make sure that it turns into a coaching call? My team, we have coaching plans. So it's an active plan. Everyone is always in a coaching plan. So it's documented. You know, these are the three things you're working on right now. And usually from from one one one-on-one to the other, a rep has homework. And it's listening to calls. It's showing examples of how they're improving a technique on their call. And, you know, throughout the week, the manager asked, you know, send me three examples of XYZ. Send me an example of a call that didn't go well that you want to talk about. We use Gong. And so we just have a, a snippet of where that piece is. And so it's just, it's, it's an active agenda that's always live and people can add to it, you know, whether it's the rep or the manager. What One of the areas we're trying to improve on is really making sure that the rep is driving a lot of what they want out of the one-on-one without the manager always driving it. I think we have some work to do there, but we have a living, breathing agendas and coaching plans. I mean, I think that's amazing. One of those characteristics, I think, with top performing reps is there's an intellectual humility that allows them to know they need to get better. Mm-hmm. And if they come to the table saying, I'm good, I'm, you know, you got a problem. Right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. And I think you need to set the stage that it's a coaching culture. Right before I hopped on this call, it was with our new hire class. And we tell them, like, this is the type of culture we have. And we ask for your vulnerability because we have skin in the game to make you better at your job, uh, which is great. But like, that's what this is about. It's about how do we help you get better? Yeah. In a previous podcast, George Donovan talked about his sales manifesto and his operating principles. And one of those things is we want you to make mistakes and we want you to, to admit that there's, there's challenges that you need to overcome mm-hmm. and it's huge, like be vulnerable yeah. so that we can all get better. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about, I think something that you said before is extremely powerful when you make sure that there's homework 
and, and there's ongoing feedback process from step to step. Can you walk me through a little bit more about what that coaching plan looks like? Yeah, sure. So let me give you an example. One of the areas that we we coach a lot of reps who are earlier in their sales career on is getting to business level pain. For example, if someone came in to HubSpot and they said, you know, I'm interested in marketing automation, right? It's understanding like what's what's the impact that's going to have to your business? Why are you interested in it? You know, what are you looking to accomplish? And helping the rep navigate second, third level questions to really understand the impact this is going to have into their business. So an example of how we would coach through that would be, you know, we want you to ask how many employees are at the company? How do they make money? How do they get their leads? How do, what do they do? Who, who works the leads when they get them? Are they happy with their results right now? Are they not happy with the results? And as opposed to going straight into what is your need? Let me tell you about the features that we have that can solve that need. And so a rep would then, the homework would be, I want you to give me an example of how you uh, asked about their organizational structure, how they make money, what their average deal size is. So the homework would be, I want examples of how you've asked these types of questions. And then maybe the next piece, because they may not be there yet, is how do you take that information in real time and put together a positioning statement and or the right packaging and the pricing that's going to meet that need? So the homework at first would be, let's get the answers to these questions. Then maybe the next week it's, all right, how do I help you use those answers in order to then, you know, position and present a good package? Yeah, Michelle, I I know obviously you and I are speaking the same similar language with business impact and second level pain and quantifying what they want their outcomes to look like. And let's pretend they don't. What does that mean to their business and all that stuff? And I love that the fact that you're getting them to determine what, it means to them instead of giving them the answers, right? You're, you're asking them to go figure out the answers and figure out how they would achieve those results that you're looking for and, and then report back. Yeah, it's difficult too, especially with younger sellers. They don't know how businesses work, you know? And so you, you can't just go and say, find the business impact when they're like, what is business impact? And so, you know, that, that type of coaching, you're also teaching someone how to, how to learn about these businesses, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. It is cool. Okay, so fast forward. You're now a new leader and you're trying to determine what your own keys to success are when it comes to coaching, right? How, how could a new leader measure their success with their ability to coach? I, I have a, a leader who does this every month. He sends an anonymous survey to his team and he asks them how effective he is. Where could I be better for you? How am I doing? You ask and you allow people to give you the feedback anonymously so that they can really feel like they can give it to you straight. And then I ask in every one-on-one that I have with my leaders, um, how can I be more effective for you? So I always make space for like, what can I do to support you better? Where can I be better? Any advice you have for me? How can I be a more effective coach? So I I ask. That's amazing. So the vulnerability isn't a one-way street then, is it? It Sounds like it goes in both directions. No, my my whole team watched me cry (laughs) on a call at 9.30 a.m. Monday morning. And so no, we're, we're a vulnerable group. You know the purpose of this podcast, right? If there's any tips or tricks or advice that you would give new leaders, uh, let's end there. What what could you share with us there? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe just continuing that thread of vulnerability. You need to ask, you can't assume that you're doing your job well. Uh, so ask them how you can how you can be better. Ask for the feedback. You know, ask your team how you can work with them as effectively as possible. Don't assume if someone tells you that 
you know, they want to you know, pay off their student loans, that that's their number one goal in life, they might actually be motivated more by something else that could be recognition. And so, you know, ask your people for feedback on yourself, ask your people what motivates them, what drives them and how you can be more effective for them. That's going to make you a more effective coach, getting those answers before you, you go into action. We talk a lot about vision boards and understanding the whys of your people and their motivators may not be the same thing that motivates you. So getting an understanding of their personal why and going through that vision board process with your team could be a powerful exercise early on. And uh, vulnerability will definitely come out there if you know uh, what's in it for them and why they do what they do, right? Yeah. And I share mine with my team. They have my, my vision board. They all know you put it out there, you know, they know what you're working for too. Yeah, I firm believer. There's zero chance I'd be in Hawaii right now if it wasn't for the vision board. And all my clients knew it too. And when we got here, it was it was pretty satisfying, obviously, but it was pretty cool to see that we we're starting to accomplish some of those things on that vision board. If if you're a part of that journey for your reps, it goes a long way. Sometimes you can even help them determine what is important to them. Maybe they didn't know, but going through that process, they've figured out for themselves why they do what they do and makes that coaching process even more powerful. There's nothing I'm more proud of than when I see people that have worked for me achieve their goals, like their vision for their own happiness and lives and buying second homes and paying off their student loans and uh, getting the new kitchen and getting engaged and married and and all of those things. It's just that is what gives me the, the greatest joy is seeing that growth. That's awesome. Well, Michelle, this is very helpful. I, I really appreciate your perspective on this. It that coaching element of being a leader is huge and making sure that we're putting our, in our, our people in a position to get better and have them be an active participant in that process and have us be an active participant in their process. Thanks for your insights here. Much appreciated you joining the Emerge on Purpose podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Thanks to you, our listeners. If you would like to support the Emerge On Purpose podcast and help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Emerge On Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to reach me, by the way, you can. LinkedIn.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sailfish Pete. That's S-A-L-E-F-I-S-H. 